Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have P.T. Taylor with me. PT is the man behind PT Money, which is viewed more than 350,000 times on a monthly basis and has more than 5,000 email subscribers. Welcome. Great to be with you, George. Thank you for being here, PT. Tell me how and why you started PT Money and what were you doing prior to it? Right. So I have a CPA background. So I come from public accounting world and corporate finance world. Spent about 10 years doing that out in the Dallas, Fort Worth, Metroplex area here. And, you know, I enjoyed some of that work. I respected it, but I always felt like I needed to kind of own my own shop and do my own thing. My dad was a is a CPA as well and has his own practice. And so I knew doing that exactly wasn't necessarily right for me, but uh, I knew I needed to own something of my own one day. I started discovering personal finance blogs probably around 2004, 2005. It's whenever I was getting serious about taking control of my financial situation, whether that be paying off debt or saving more money for retirement or saving up money for a house, you know, just kind of the standard stuff that everyone sort of goes through when they kind of take, start taking that stuff seriously. And instead of reading Money Magazine or the Wall Street Journal, I read these blogs and uh, I just really connected to these people who were sharing their story online about money. And it was very, uh, very cool experience to, to sort of look into their lives and see how they're doing things. And I, I for a couple of years, I did that, you know, I, I sort of read them and just absorbed all and the information learned. And then, you know, something happened in 2007 where I just said, you know, hey, I'm sort of web savvy. I'm sort of I've done blogging a little bit before. Um, why don't I give this a shot and, and sort of put my own spin on this personal finance blogging thing? And uh, that's when 2000 in 2007, that's when uh, PT Money was born. And the idea was simple, you know, share what was happening with me and my finances, uh, mix that in with some advice and tips for other people to encourage them along the way. Um, so it was one part, you know, participating in the web, one part sort of uh, helping me stay accountable to my own financial situation and helping others. And then another part, which I sort of sense might come down the road, which was, hey, this might turn into a business for me or something where I had, can kind of explore my entrepreneurial side. So so before, uh, so you started in 2007 and you said for a couple of years before that, you were just basically reading and and absorbing. So yep. were you active? Did you leave comments on these other blogs? Uh, what, what did you do? Did you just read passively or, or was there more? I was pretty passive, but occasionally I would email them or leave a comment, um, you know, especially the ones where I would read every day. You know, I'd get pretty comfortable with the person and felt like I knew them. So started commenting more and reading more and, or, and emailing more occasionally. But nothing ever official until 07 when I launched my own, you know. And, and, and what happened in 07 that told you that, you know, yeah, this is something that I want to start? And what were your goals back then? Yeah. So... I switched careers, or not switched careers, I switched jobs, and uh, I took a new job, and I just got the sense that with this new job, I would have a lot more free time on the nights and weekends. My my job was a lot less demanding, and so um, I just sensed it was a good time to start it. If I was going to start something, it would be a good time now because I had a lot of free time. So my goals were, you know, to really emulate a lot of the positive things I saw other bloggers doing, uh, certainly sharing my personal finances online, sharing the details of my finances. I was blogging anonymously at first, just as PT. 
So people didn't really know who it was, but they knew this guy was sharing specific details. Um, so I could be, you know, specific like that and, and hold myself accountable to those numbers as I kind of progressed. So one part learning, like I said, and sharing with others, and then one part, hey, I've seen that these other bloggers do make some money with AdSense and affiliate marketing, and maybe I could dabble in that eventually. And when was that? So you started in 2007. Uh, at 2007, did you think this was going to be a business or this was just going to be a blog to, to kind of uh, journal your, your own journey? Yeah, it was in 07, it was really just about blogging. I mean, it was no real business aspect of it at all. It, was, it wasn't until December of 2007 when someone reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I'll pay you 10 bucks a month to put this ad on your sidebar, you know, and I'll give it to you all up front. I'll give you 100 bucks up front for the year. And uh, I know that doesn't add up to 100 bucks. It should be 120. <laughs> a bad yeah. amount. But uh, you get the point is that someone, you know, made me realize, hey, there's a market for what there's a business here for what I'm doing. And, and were you like looking at your own st um, like Google Analytics or, or traffic or or were you just writing? I mean, wh what were you doing on those? This, let's say the first year or so. Yeah. I was mostly just focusing on trying to write and not embarrass myself and, and doing, putting out content that was sort of respectable and interesting and trying to gather some semblance of a community, I guess. Um, but really just more just tinkering and experimenting with the format. I mean, I wasn't really a writer. I came into it with a pretty solid financial background because of my CPA. But there was so much to learn on the personal side, and there was so much for me to learn in terms of writing and being able to communicate more effectively. So that, that first year was probably a lot of that, was learning how to create content that was interesting for people um, and just sort of experiment with the blog and, and put stuff out, put different things out there. Um, do you remember your traffic in yeah. the first year? Uh, yeah, let's I, say, do you remember like the first time you had maybe a thousand visitors uh, a day or a month? Or I mean, what what numbers do you remember yeah. that kind of stick out? Yeah, that first year I was on Blogger, you know, so I really wasn't into the traffic numbers as much. I, I would probably say I was probably getting, you know, 50 to 100 folks coming to the blog every day. I mean, it was very minimal. It was the second year whenever I January. Now, let's focus on that because 50 to 100 is, is a respectable number if you just start out. But some people would say, you know what, this is nothing. I'm going to give up. Did you think about giving up or you weren't really concerned about those numbers? You know, um, I did give up a few times. Uh, during that first year, you can see toward the end of the year, um, I got really sporadic. Now, I think even there was like a month or two where I skipped a lot, so much time in between blog posts. And then what made you come back to it? You know, I think just having more content to share. So uh, I ran out of steam, I think, because I didn't have something interesting to share that I felt like I could put on the blog. I was traveling a lot with my business. That did affect things. Um, so that, that new job I talked about early on that was not as taxing had become a little more uh, a little more difficult to work around. But anyway, um you know, I think ultimately, though, it was just about having something to share. And so in the fall, I, I just started, you know, caring about the subject a little more again and having some topics to talk about that I thought might resonate with people. For instance, we were buying a house. We were I was building a, a piece of furniture on my own versus buying it. So I just had topics like that where I thought it was new and interesting and unique. I always wanted to share like something unique that already hadn't hadn't been done. Right. Because the blogosphere was really mature in 2007 
um, believe it or not, either the personal finance blogosphere, or it seemed mature to me. And so I wanted to share things and do things online that had somewhat of an original tint to them. And so I think that's kind of where my hangups were with, with stopping and starting. So uh, especially the first one year or maybe the first two years, what strategies and tactics did you use to, uh, to stand out? Because personal finance is a great field, but it, it, you know, I don't know how it was back in 2007, 8, 9, and so, but it's a very crowded place. Yeah. So what advice do you have? And everything is pretty crowded today online, right? So right. what advice do you have for others who also try to stand out and also try to you know, create that snowball effect for their own blogs or websites? Right. One thing I've always done fairly well is networking with other people doing the same thing. So when I came on board, I didn't do a lot of outreach to the superstars of the day, the J.D. Ross, the uh, – consumerismcommentary.coms or the bargaineering.com, those sites were already well established and I felt intimidated to reach out to them and try to start networking with them. But I did get a sense that there were people who were starting just before me around the same time. And so what I did was reach out to those folks and say, you know, hey, let's uh, let's form a network or let's get in a forum together and start chatting or uh, some kind of group where we could, you know, interact on a daily basis, talking shop, help each other grow. And uh, that was huge, and that ultimately led to my other business, which is FinCon, the Financial Blogger Conference. But just in those early days, you know. The so how would you find these people? And, yeah. you know, did you go to, like, forums or was it other blogs? Yeah, it was forums at the time. So um, today I would say it was probably Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups that might be good places to look because, you know, forums have sort of died off a little bit. But um, and then how did the network actually help you? So what was like the size? Was it 100 people? Was it 10 people? And how did it help your business? Yeah, so there was sort of a uh, a bigger forum list or group of folks that I would interact with. There was probably 100 or so in there. Um, and then there were the specific network that I joined was just four or five players, like I said, at my level. And those guys, um, we would... Uh, we would share each other's content on our channels, meaning we would, you know, write blog posts and then link to related blog posts on their sites. Um, we would stumble upon their articles or if, I don't know if Twitter was even around back then, but we might tweet out something or share something socially or whatever. So just supporting each other in, in, uh, in, you know, the, the best of the best, not just blindly sharing everything we're doing, but, Hey, if someone has got a cool project going on or whatever, then um, we can help support that person or figure out how to collaborate on a, on a thing. So we also did pure collaborations where we wrote articles all on the same subject and sort of interlinked between the articles. Um, we also, I think even in the early days, we put together like group PDFs. So PDFs where we each wrote a piece of it, um, e-books, if you will, that were kind of produced by all of us. So just got those kind of collaborations, you know. Okay. Now, at, at what point did you know that your site is going to be an income generating bis business instead of just just a blog where you write? Um, and what were you able to do that that helped you turn ptmoney.com into a business? Yeah, yeah. So I already mentioned sort of that December of '07 where that one person reached out to me to want to put the ad up, and so that was one clue. And then the following year, I started networking a lot more, and folks started sharing me their tactics for AdSense and putting that on their sites. Um, and so I started doing that and placing the ads in more uh, in better locations and optimizing, I guess, my efforts there. 
and I got my first AdSense check probably in June of 2008, $100, you know, so I was really happy to get that check. And that gave me the first sense that, hey, you know, I'm, I've got something here that I could, you know, turn into a business if I continue doing this. And there was a sense at the time that the more you wrote, the more you put in the tank, the, the farther, you know, the business or the farther the, the blog would reach in terms of Google traffic, especially. And so it was just a matter of time. Put more articles in the tank and more revenue would come out of the of the site. So that's kind of the sense that I got. And that's the approach I started taking going forward. And I apologize. I forgot your second question. Yeah, and uh, you know, basically, it was you know, what were you able to do that helped you, oh, you yeah. know, turn PT money into a business yeah. as opposed to just a blog? Gotcha. And, and so at that point, uh, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, um, and I spent those, year, those years blogging and having fun with it. I was still doing my full time job, and um, you know, it was really was just about the blogging. I was making some side income. I think I eventually got to a point to where I was making. You know, making paying my mortgage, uh, and then a little more than that, and that was cool. You know, but it wasn't like a true business. I wasn't offering a product or service of my own. I was just a pass through, right? So I was just providing information, and um, it was unique information. But it, you know, I wasn't offering a product or service on the back end of it that was unique to me. I was offering someone else's product or service via AdSense or. Uh, dabbling some in affiliate marketing. Now, what I what I eventually learned was that one thing I could do was at least create um, like financial landing pages or financial product and service like comparison pages, and that was really the thing that really catapulted me from being sort of a part time opportunity to something that could support me full time. And I can go into kind of the strategy behind that if you want. Yeah, why don't you, uh, if you could briefly go into that. Yeah, yeah. So really quickly, I mean, if you look at my site now, ptmoney.com, you'll see pages like uh, best cash back credit cards or best online brokerage accounts or top savings accounts. So those pages are filled with uh, products and services that you know I support but also uh, am comparing to one another. So I'm not necessarily – saying this is the product or service you should buy, but hey, here's a list of these types of options and you should check out all of these, but you know, maybe here's the one that for whatever reason makes the sense makes more sense to you. So setting up these pages on my site, uh, instead of individual blog posts that go out, these become more static type pages where they're serving a specific purchase purpose, right? They're the purpose of my online savings account page helps someone identify the savings account that they should get started with. So um, obviously I have an affiliate marketing relationship with most of the online banks. They pay me a commission for everyone that signs up uh, to these accounts. And I think by offering um, these, these offers in a comparison format like this, it makes it, uh, it makes it more of an asset, more of a long-term has it gives it more of a long-term value than a one-off review or a one-off mention uh, in a in a post, and so establishing these like evergreen style pages on my site that I could continue to work on and continue to promote going forward um, helped really create like a true business part of my blog. You know, so I'm looking at, for example, right now in the save money uh, section, the best online savings account, and then and then I see it's kind of an article, and then there is a, there is a matrix. 
of the CIT Bank, GE Capital, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So you have then a, an affiliate uh, relationship with all these. Right. So when somebody actually signs up. Now, how did you develop these affiliates? Is it difficult to develop this or do you just go to one of these affiliate sites and sign up? Yeah, uh, well, you know, it just it depends. Some of the... Um some of the uh, the merchants use affiliate networks. So, for instance, a CJ.com, CommissionJunction.com, or a uh, what's another one, ShareASale.com. So, these networks that establish themselves and sit between the merchants and the publishers and sort of make this relationship happen and facilitate it. Some banks or brokers or credit cards don't do that. They like to work on a direct relationship where you have to work with them directly. Uh, but the concept is the same. You know, there's a link uh, that you establish between the two. Uh, yourself and the merchant, and it helps to keep track of you know what sales you're bringing them. And then when when you finish on a, a page like this, uh, for example, this uh, online savings account page, uh, do you have a strategy to promote that page, or that page just becomes part of your site and you don't really go out of your way to promote it? Right. No, I certainly promote it. I, I make it an authority post from the standpoint of my own site, so I link to it heavily from my own site in the sidebar, in the banner, in the uh, menu, and, and on all the posts that might reference uh, savings accounts. In addition to that, I do some external, uh, I gather some external links as well. So I would uh, guest post on other folks' site, and whenever I had the opportunity, I would, you know, drop a link back into those pages. Um, that's okay. something that's uh, a little not as effective these days, but the combination of those links with the links on my site plus the overall authority that my site was creating uh, allowed those those individual pages to rank well in the search engines for those terms. So when people would search for best online savings accounts, uh, my page would come up, you know, in the, some of the top results there. I would get the traffic, you know, and then those folks were there to make a decision about a savings account. So it's a very hot lead, and that person would then go forward and, and uh, I'd get credit for it. So you mentioned that uh, the guest posts are not so effective anymore, and I hear this from others as well. So what what is a, uh, maybe one or two promotional strategies or tactics that actually work today? Well, I, what I would say would work better if I, if I were to go back to that online savings account page and make it more unique, make it more authoritative somehow, and make my own site more authoritative and unique. So those are the things you should be working on. I'm, you know, I'm... Uh, Constantly trying to do that with PT money, but with with these particular pages, you know, maybe I um, have more depth to the reviews, or maybe I add some other type of functionality to the page that makes them more unique than the other uh, websites out there that are sharing this similar content. So it's just about um, you know ma making the making that page more original and exclusive. You know, okay. um, and, but there's also something else in play here. I, we sort of mentioned that maybe guest guest blogging or guest posting is not as effective, but there's also sort of a a brand penalty that's happening right now. So my site is not a Forbes.com; it never will be. Um, and Forbes.com easily outranks me now more so than ever on uh, any type of article they might be competing against me with. So Google has you know established themselves as um, someone who wants to move in that direction, and so that's kind of the world I'm living in now. It was a little easier for me to compete uh, with bigger brands back in the day. It's not as much anymore. Oh, wow. Um, 
Tell me, what was the first, you mentioned that initially you started uh, generating some revenue with AdSense with that first $100 check uh, back in um, uh, 2008. Um, What was the first more substantial source of revenue that you were able to to generate from your site uh, aside from AdSense? Or is AdSense still uh, the primary source of revenue for you? AdSense um, caps out at about you know, with anywhere between a thousand and twenty five hundred a month for me. So, okay. you know, once I reached a thousand, it sort of hovered around that place a long time. There was not much more I could I could turn on. Affiliate marketing has a higher, uh, I guess, higher um, revenue potential. Revenue potential. Potential. Right. So, okay. affiliate marketing was was big for me. But sort of in between there, I did text link sales. So I sold. Uh, links on the, my sidebar to other sites for um, amounts every month. And they were looking for uh, text links back to, you know, their sites. And that's something that's obviously frowned upon these days. And I stopped doing that in 2010, a long time ago. So that was a kind of a player there for a while. And then I dropped that and shifted my focus heavily to affiliate marketing. And that's where I would, I would say anyone looking to do passive type income, online should that's something they should look for first because i think that just has the highest you have the highest ability to kind of leverage that up okay now our caveat is that you know you lose control when you work with someone else as an advertiser so i could with pt money i you know it's hard for me to say i could go out there and create my own bank or brokerage account or credit card account you know i can't go do those things necessarily i mean i guess i could but that would be extremely difficult um so it's from when I'm selling those type of products, when I'm promoting those type of products, I sort of have to work with, you know, other advertisers. But there are financial products and services that I could create on my own information products, uh, membership sites, things like that. I just have never um, once I got into affiliate marketing and it started working, then I just sort of ignored those other opportunities. And, um, you know, through the, throughout the years, it's gone up and down my relationships with these affiliate companies, because now some of the banks aren't necessarily working with me or they'll switch on and off their relationship with me. And so my my business, although passive is very dependent on other parties. And so, uh, you know, that that's, there's positive and negative negatives with that. So as a result of that, are you thinking about maybe creating some products that are your own? I mean, I'm not talking about starting your own bank, but maybe some other uh, sources of revenue. Certainly eventually uh, I got distracted though. Uh, I started a conference, and so that became my my product or service that I own, and uh, that's something I've now relied upon as being my more tangible, tangible, tangible or physical product. So yeah, that's actually that's my next question. Uh, you created uh, FinCon. I don't know if I pronounced it yeah, <laughs> correctly. FinCon. Con- yeah. <laughs> uh, FinCon conference and the, the annual conference for financial bloggers. Yep. Um, how did it help your business? And what are some of the reasons other entrepreneurs should put together conferences in their own respective areas? Right. I, I think conferences are great. I think it's a good way for you to serve either your customers or pe- other people in your industry. In my case, it's other people in my industry. FinCon is a true peer conference and that I'm inviting other people who are my competitors to come and hang out and, and talk shop and learn from me and others and vice versa. So uh, it's a great opportunity to serve those people in your community, whether that be, like I said, your customers or your, or your uh, business partners. And and when you serve people, they're thankful and they give you love back and the, you get things back. So that's benefit number one is that it gives you a chance to put you in a position 
to be the one guy offering them something that they that no one else is. Um, obviously, it, it uh, gives you more status or more notability. So, for instance, for me, uh, by the time I rolled out FinCon, I was somewhat of a notable blogger, but I certainly wasn't the big boy on the block. And uh, this, not to say that I am a big blogger now, but it's certainly everyone knows about me and what I've done with this conference. So uh, more, far more connected uh, with the people I've asked to help participate in the conference, whether that be keynote speakers or big sponsors or whatever. I know everyone, you know, most everyone in the industry, or at least have a way to get to, get a hold of those people. Uh, and then obviously from a tactical standpoint with PT Money, I mean, after that first conference, everyone linked back to PT Money as the as the site that had sort of hosted this conference. And so I got lots of love online, uh, digital love online for having put this thing on. And that was super invaluable because at the time I was caught up in the first Google Panda algorithm and that popped me right back out of it and uh, really kind of saved my business, I think. So this is a physical conference or something online? Yeah, it's a total physical conference. Yeah, meet in a hotel for two. Once a year? Is this once a year? Once a year, yeah. And tell me, what what was the size of this conference the first year when you organized it, and how did you get people to to come to it? Well, uh, we had about 250 show up for that first year, and that was you know a big portion of the financial blogging community that was online and sort of established already. And so I would say that was about a third of the active financial personal finance bloggers out there. Um, How did I get folks to come? I mean, they were already ready to come. So I, when you create an event, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily try to create an event that you're ne- going to need to have to encourage people, really encourage people to be at. I, I created an event that solved a need already. All these people wanted to be around each other. We were in these forums together. We were in these uh, Facebook groups together. And so it only made sense that, hey, let's all get together and have a beer and hang out and really talk face to face and strengthen these online relationships. So in, in any business you know, I think there's a community that you can serve that way, you know, whether that be, like I said, your customers who sort of um, may not may not want to get, get and think they want to get together. But, hey, they're all interested, at least in the same thing, your product or service. And so um, there's value in being together. And so tap into that as much as possible. Were you able to create a profit on this conference or or did it generate revenue for you? Yeah, Um I uh, I share that online in a, in a couple of blog posts that sort of I did after my first couple of years of running this conference. And so you can actually we can link to link up to those in the show notes. Um, but I can share with you my first year uh, I took on about fifteen thousand dollars, I believe it was. So it wasn't something where it was worth my time. I spent a lot more time, I think, than that building it. But uh, like I said, the in, you know the indirect relationships or indirect value from doing it were, was tremendous. Um, and PT Money had one of the best years it ever had in 2012, the year after I had that conference. And so I would have done it for free the rest of my life uh, had that been you know had it continued to to do that for me. Um, and in 20, 2012, the conference made about twenty five thousand, and then last year I made about thirty five forty thousand off of it. And uh, what do you expect for this year? And in terms of, you mentioned there were about 250 people at the first year. What is what is the attendance? What do you expect for for 2014? Yeah, it's grown by about 100 folks, 125 folks every year. So we're shooting for 650 to 700 this year. 
we had a little we had about 550 last year so uh, we're looking at 700 this year we'll be in new orleans um and in terms of revenue off of the uh, conference i've actually shifted my focus from um <laughs> well since pt money was doing so well in the past i really treated fincon like a sort of a side project and didn't spend a lot of my time necessarily worrying about whether it made a lot of money to support me and my family so um i didn't do that and and, you know, the results, financial results were what they were. At least I didn't lose money, but uh, I didn't make a lot. And so I certainly want to do that this year, and I set my goals to uh, achieve that. And so I'm looking to make six figures off this conference in 2014. I hope you, you'll you be able to do that. Yeah. Tell me, um, you, you know, I you, you got to to have your content in some really nice A-list publications such as U.S. News, World Report, uh, what do you recommend for other entrepreneurs to be able to write for such publications? How 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 can we get into some of those A-list publications? I would say uh, early on, you know, the, the times when I was a little bit controversial or a little bit shocking um, and presented content that was very unique or very sort of, um, I don't know, ti- t- timely and sort of controversial maybe at the time. Those were kind of some of the times where I got attention to be you know, picked up in, in some other places. So I would say that is, is that um, don't be afraid to be a little bit different and controversial at times when the timing's right. Being first is also uh, is also huge when you're online. So if you see a story, if you see something that sort of is impacting your customers or your industry or whatever it is, I mean, be the first to get out there with your opinion or your take or whatever it is. And I did that a couple of times. And that uh, sort of helped me be on the forefront and, and pick up some bigger coverage. Um, you know, obviously, like at, while you're doing that, you know, be professional and your site and your brand should always be perceived as as a professional brand. such So that those A-listers know that when they they pull from you or they use from you, that you can, you're someone they can trust and you're someone that's not going to embarrass them in, in front of that bigger audience. Um, and then lastly, I would just say be a part of an online community that can let you know about uh, opportunities like that or or can reference you, uh, you know, at, at different times. Okay. Um, so far, it sounds like, you know, everything has gone really smoothly for you, but I'm sure there have been some challenges uh, or maybe even some mistakes. Can you talk about maybe a, a, a big mistake or, or the biggest mistake that you made in business since you started? Yeah, that we can learn from. Yeah, sure. Uh, no, that's a good question. Um, that you can learn from. Um, I would say I was going to say not selling PT money when it was at its peak. Oh, really? Yeah. Can you share that at all? How how did that come about? Yeah. Um, so I mentioned sort of the progression of my site, and in 2010 through 2012, how I really saw some of the biggest revenue I've, you know, I've seen from that, uh, from that site. After 2012, it has fallen, it has fallen off. And, and because of what I mentioned was I had too many things a part of that business, even though it's passive, too many things that are a part of that business that aren't in my control, specifically Google traffic that is sent to it and affiliate relationships that are out there that, that allow me to, you know, make a lot of money. And so when those two kind of channels are shut off, um, PT money doesn't do as well. And so there was a time in 2012 where I was doing gangbusters and those two things were, uh, hitting on all cylinders. And I should have recognized that, that, 
that everything was super optimal at the time and the things that were out of my control were working really effectively and the marketplace was still good for uh, buyers. And, um, you know, there's, I don't know, PT money could be that again one day, I think maybe, but, um, at the time I probably, you know, I, I feel like maybe I should have capitalized on that opportunity. And I didn't sense that or wasn't honest about that maybe at the time. Um, so I guess the lesson to be learned is, you know, regardless of whether you sell or not, uh, because I think PT money can still be great regardless of if it does that again, um, I, you have more control over your business, you know, so that, such that such that you have control over when you want to buy or sell, you know. Um, so that I guess that would be my kind of take on that experience. Uh, thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate that. How do you deal with, I think as an entrepreneur, uh, dealing with the ups and downs is probably the hardest thing. I know it's hard for me. Uh, you know, I own my own business for over 10 years too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that's probably the, one of the reasons of so many people quit. Uh, how do you deal with the, the ups and downs? Yeah, uh, it's certainly tough. Um, and it, it's, it's been an ups and downs from real ups and downs experience for me. And it feels like it still is and it will continue to be. And so in some ways I've gotten used to that fact and, uh, I've just, I've just learned to accept that and, and, and sort of enjoyed, I guess not enjoyed that, but just kind of ba- know that that's baked into the process. So, for, but for me personally, um, you know, I, I try to keep an eternal perspective on things. I'm a Christian guy, so you know what happens in this world is doesn't affect the next for me. So, um, you know, I, I, I just try to keep that perspective as, as well as like being thankful for what has happened to me so far uh, with my wife and my family and these businesses and my freedom now with these two businesses. Um, you know, I just try to stop down and be super thankful regardless of what's happening. Like with this conference. You know, I haven't made necessarily a lot of money off of it yet, but, you know, I have 500 people who want to buy a ticket from me from year to year. And not a lot of people have that kind of setup. And so I just try to be really thankful for uh, what I've been given so far. A, a third thing I do is, you know, I'm very financially conservative. So I save a heck of a lot of money. I don't spend uh, my life when I was making a lot of money back in 2012. You know, I wasn't spending all that money. I was saving most of it. And so. Uh, as an entrepreneur, you got to know that things are going to be up and down, and when the times are good, you got to scroll that away, you know, because times are going to be bad maybe in the future, and you got to be prepared to kind of ride through that time. Um, I, I want to continue doing this forever in some fo- form or fashion. Um, I want to continue being my own boss, and uh, and nothing's really going to stop me from doing that. And so one of the things, one of the ways I can sort of shore that up and make sure that happens is that my financial situation will never be a burden or will never pull me back into a a situation that I don't desire. Can you share what was the greatest high owning your own business? Yeah, for, for me, it was really connecting that community of, of bloggers and financial media at that first FinCon. Um, when I, when I eventually, when I finally planned that conference, had it sort of said at the end of the conference, thank you guys for being here. This has been wonderful. And everyone gave me a standing ovation. Like, thanks for putting it on PT. And I just felt like this immense love from the industry and from this great community of people that had to be the highlight of, uh, of, of my career so far, you know, and doing this stuff. That was, that was a lot of fun. Um, 
if if somebody came to you, uh, either somebody in your family or maybe a good friend that had a job but saw your success as an entrepreneur, and they say, you know what, PT, I really want to become an entrepreneur. What would be the first thing that you would teach that person? Um, I think I would try to impress upon them like a long-term view. So, uh, you know, it's easy to get into business and you have a lot of energy up front and you want things to happen fast. But I would probably try to share with them, you know, how long it's really taken me to get to this point and how long it long ago it started for me. And so, uh, just try to impress that long-term approach because when you have that long-term approach, you're, I think you're ultimately a better business person because your, your relationships are not, you're not looking to capitalize too quickly on relationships or, uh, you're less likely to burn a bridge. Um, you're more patient and you're more interested in creating like longer term value for your customers. So just in trying to impress as much as possible on like, taking the longer term approach. It's interesting because, you know, I sort of stumbled upon this little industry and it feels like, oh, I just kind of woke up as an entrepreneur one day and it sort of happened that way. But, you know, I had to still have to stop down and think about, you know, I'm a young guy still, I'm only 38. So, you know, I could be doing this a long time. So I need to have that approach that the internet's not going away. People still need education about their finances. People still want to get people who write about money still want to get together and they're going to continue to do those things. And so I just need to kind of look at that and say, hey, what's, what's the long term approach here? Let's let's think about it way down the road. Like, how do you how do I conduct business today such that I can continue uh, being business in the future? Do you have time for a couple of more questions? I know we went over the uh, the 30 minute mark. Oh, but no, I'll if- keep it rolling. Okay. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, what do you think is the biggest time waster for entrepreneurs, especially early on, maybe the first couple of years doing their business? Right. I, I would say anything unrelated to their goals of their business. So your task every day should be leading you toward helping you achieve the goals of what you're trying to do. So make sure everything you're doing is somehow tied back to those goals. For me, it's it's it, early on. It was trying to perfect my even though my blog at first wasn't even a business, it was like I spent so much time trying to perfect the blog, make it look right, make it work exactly how I wanted, um, you know, tweaking like these very little things instead of just focusing on producing, you know, writing good content for people. And so just there's, you know, people, there's perfectionists out there. I mean, that's ultimately what allows you to, I think, have success. Uh, perfectionist, you know, is the type of person who can have success as an entrepreneur. And so I think you need to use that, but also keep in mind is what I'm doing ultimately helping me reach uh, my goal. And business is simple. It's about meeting the needs of a customer right then and there. So how are you doing that with your, with your daily business? Is what you're working on meeting that customer's need? Are you helping to, you know, push the sales uh, process down the road or, or, you know, improve your business bottom line, you know. Um, can you mention maybe one or two of your favorite books that help you with your business? Yep. Uh, I like The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. That's one of my favorite. Um, as a solo entrepreneur, I think everyone should read that to learn how to get outside of their business and get above it so that you don't just build yourself a job. Um, and then, of course, The Millionaire Fast Lane by MJ DeMarco is a great book. It's... Um, gives you a perspective on if you are going to build a type of business, what are the best types of businesses to build that can give you 
the, the greatest success and allow you to control the most levers in your business. If you would start uh, PT Money all over again, what would you do differently? You know, I'll probably reach out to more of those big bloggers. Uh, I think, like I said, I, I connected with people more on my level, and I was sort of intimidated up, for, up front. I would probably do more outreach to everyone in the community, regardless of their stature or standing. Uh, and I would probably go big more. Uh, so I would try more unconventional things, try to be more unique, more original, just do wild and crazy stuff as much as possible to try to get more attention and to uh, get no, not negative attention, but just be more different, you know, just be try to stand out more. And that that uh, I didn't do enough of that initially, I think. And, I, and ultimately, I think uh, also just turning the blog into a business quicker. Right. Realizing that, hey. I can make this a true business if I want to. There was a sort of a stigma back then that, hey, you're a blogger. You're not trying to capitalize on people or monetize your blog. That's kind of a cheesy, shady thing to do. So, I don't know. Getting out of that mindset was probably something I should have done a little quicker. So, what is how do you envision the future for PT Money? Where do you want to be in five years? Um, in what direction would you like to take your business or, or the conference or, or just everything altogether? If you could draw it the way you want it to be, what would it look like? Right. So I think uh, for me, certainly I, I love the conference. I want to continue to be a part of it, whether I own it and run it or not. That doesn't matter as much anymore as as, as whether I am a part of it somehow. So figuring out what I, what I want, um, how I want to exist within that conference is something I'm working on now. Um, but I certainly want to still be a part of that in the future. And I still want FinCon to keep happening and I want to be a part of it. Um, with PT Money, um, I've sort of put it on hold the past few years because I've been running the conference. And I'd like to uh, do some more things with PT Money, um, grow it some more, create some more unique content there and continue to, uh, you know, to to uh, you know, build that business out. Um, write a book. I did a podcast called the Part Time Money Podcast, where I interviewed folks making money on the side, and uh, like I did. And and so I want to encapsulate that podcast by writing a book, a case study book, where it highlights my story as well as some of the stories from uh, that podcast. And so writing a book, um, you know, sort of firming up what I'm already doing at PT Money creating greater content, greater and greater content, and just growing that brand as a whole. And, and maybe maybe finally taking some time to stop down and think about longer-term goals for it. You know, um, So, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I see myself doing. That's great. Uh, PT, I want to thank you very much yeah. for sharing your story with our audience and with me. How can people connect with you? Yep, hit me up at ptmoney.com or on Twitter at ptmoney. And then also, if you want to check out the conference, it's at finconexpo.com. And on Twitter, we're at FinCon. Thank you, and I wish you much success. And hopefully you'll come back next year and uh, give me an update and our audience on, on how everything is. Definitely, George. Thanks, man. Thank you.